Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to anticipate the future, recognize macro trends, and champion innovation in their organizations. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from Kate Zabriskie. She's a corporate trainer, helps companies define their corporate culture, vision, mission, values, and strategic goals. And she's the author of a book titled customer service excellence how to deliver value to today's busy customer and here's the quote i found among her many writings quote the customer's perception is your reality five words pack a punch Mm -hmm. so what are we talking about here in just the past five years the traditional versus digitally enabled retail gap those are the what we'll call the brick and mortar the on the street retailers versus those who are online doing all kinds of social have very lively websites so that's the digitally enabled traditional versus digital retail gap has narrowed by becoming more customer aligned and that goes back to my quote from Kate Zabriskie how is this happening retailers now have digital opportunities to give and wait for it you know who's got the spending money right now it's the millennials it's the gen Zers. Well, they're giving the millennials and the Gen Zers want-based products that deliver customer experiences. The customers we're talking about right now, the ones I mentioned, they're not really that interested in a broad product selection. They want the experience. They want authenticity. They want to be treated like people. They want a company that has values, and they want a personal connection. These are more important than price, as shocking as that is. All of those things I mentioned, it's a new mantra for the retail customer today. And digitally driven internal collaboration among these savvy retailers helps them treat the customer as one, and I'm putting that all in caps, O-N-E, across all channels. So, Let's take a step back and take a look at what's happening in the industry of retail. And my question for all of our my panelists and for all of you out there listening around the world, does this signal we're in the middle of an extreme makeover of retail omnichannel? So whether you, of course, you're a customer somewhere of some retailer, it matters to you. If you are a retailer, it should matter to you. So welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is episode number six of one of our newest series titled Game Changing Retail Leaders. Happy to have you here. And I have three esteemed panelists. Let me tell you who they are, and then we'll hear from them in just a moment. First up, we are delighted to welcome a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. It's Vijay Talwar. He spells his last name T-A-L-W-A-R. He's the president of Digital at Foot Locker, Inc very well-known company, and we'll hear in a little bit about what he does there. Joining him on the panel is a returning panelist, April Tomlin, Commerce Advisor at SAP Hydrus, and she rocks a really cool hat in her PR picture. I hope you all get to see it. And joining them is another newcomer. It's Prafal Karanth, K-A-R-A-N-T-H. He is the Industry Advisor for Retail Hardlines and Supply Chain for Consumer Industries at SAP. Proffle, that's a very long title. In the day back in business card days when you had a physical business card, I don't think we could fit that all on the card. So welcome to my panelists. I know you're very busy people. We are so honored 
that you're taking time to join us. And a shout out to Stephen Sparrow at SAP who put together this topic and the panel. Thank you, Stephen. So Vijay Talwar is up first and Vijay has sent us a wonderful quote, one of our very favorites from Maya Angelou. She was an American poet, a singer, an actor, a memoirist, a civil rights advocate, activist. She published seven autobiographies, three books of essays, books of poetry. She's credited with plays, movies, TV shows over 50 years and earned more than 50 honorary degrees. And the book she's most famous for, her first autobiography, was called Why the Caged Bird Sings. Now here's the quote Vijay has selected from Maya Angelou. Quote, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Vijay Talwar, I hope I'm making you feel welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We're so delighted. You're a newcomer, and I hope this is a good experience for you. Love the quote. We're talking retail. We're talking possible extreme makeover. So why don't you tell us how the quote relates to our topic, and then I'd love to get your quick take on if you think the title of this episode, Extreme Makeover, is really what's happening. So go ahead, Vijay. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, from my perspective, when I first you know, uh, came across the quote, it was much more about active listening as a leader, right? As a business leader, it was much more about that. I would say over the last few years, I've actually modified what it actually means to me because I have a son who's a millennial and a daughter who's a Gen Z, which overlaps ah. very much with our customer base. And what I've realized by uh, spending time with uh, our customers as well as my children is that they value experiences much more over products. And so this feeling piece of it for them, you know, even if it's even if it's products that they want or they crave, it's products that are rare and exclusive because it makes them feel special, right? And just as an example, even another personal example, uh, we are sort of as a family done with sort of, you know, throwing birthday parties and buying gifts for each other. Mm-hmm. And we're much more into sort of experiential things and kind of, you know, grouping all of those birthdays and making one international trip with all four of us, for example. So uh, a lot of this is about sort of experiences that, that will stay with you for a much longer time as opposed to words that, you know, sort of come and go, or even actions. You know, there used to be a saying that says actions speak louder than words. But mm-hmm. to me, this is much more about the feeling side of it, and the feelings piece is much more about what it is you experience and how I internalize it will be different than how somebody else has internalized it. But it is, we'll, we, we value those experiences much more so now, uh, and that's, that's why that sort of, that quote talks to me. And, and to your point about, uh, you know, us mm-hmm. being in sort of this, this phase of retail where everybody's trying to reinvent ourselves, we're absolutely in need for, you know, extreme makeover. And as you can tell, not just in the industry, we read about it all the time with retailers going out of business. Uh, There's obviously the, you know, Amazon that's stealing a disproportionate amount of share from traditional retailers. But at the end of the day, you have to quickly uh, react and quickly adapt and quickly become digital or you become sort of irrelevant from a consumer perspective. And that's that's really driven by these customers for us, specifically it is those millennials and Gen Z customers who are completely channel agnostic. So that's, that's why the makeover is required. They don't think in terms of I'm shopping in a store, I'm shopping online, I'm shopping on a mobile device. They want to have a similar or the same experience across every one of those channels, if you will. So I'll, I'll stop there with my introduction. 
Vijay, that was wonderful. I am so appreciative that you brought in the members of your family who match the categories, the demographic cohorts, we call them, that I mentioned in my intro. Very much, it, we love to have a reality check on what we're talking about, Vijay, and part of what we do here on Game Changers Radio is to talk about what's really happening in different industries, with different technology, and not just theory, but the real world. I have a quick question for you before I bring on the other panelists. My question is, where does this come from this need to feel important that I'm a boomer and my generation we just wanted to buy something today I'm into the experiences and they're not always very good at a lot of big retailers and I'm more aware of it because of the work I'm doing here and what people like you tell me but where did this need to feel special come from and you say that your your young children your children are into experiences is this in their DNA Vijay is this something you taught them as their parent where does it come from no, I think the environment is really teaching them more than the parents themselves. So first of all, they have access to lots and lots of information, right? I mean, I just think about it as a kid. I didn't actually necessarily follow the news. And, you know, watching the news would mean reading the newspaper or mm-hmm. watching the news at, you know, at a certain time in the evening. Whereas now they have 24-7 access, right, just from their mobile device. So I think the right. connectivity is what's fundamentally changed them, right? The amount of time they spend on YouTube, the amount of time they spend connected, even, even the schools require laptops and computers and iPads mm-hmm. and things like that, just from a, from a daily learning process. So they're just much more knowledgeable in some sense, but they also didn't, to your point about baby boomers, I mean, many of the baby boomers uh, grew up with, with not a lot, and therefore there was a sense of security and sort of, you know, wanting to gather things or wanting to have that sort of, you know, nest egg for retirement and things like that. I think with the millennials and the Gen Zs, They've actually grown up with, they have all the basics covered. And in that type of an environment, you know, the day-to-day is, is, uh, is not necessarily something that, you know, that survival instinct is not what they're driven by. They're driven mm-hmm. by passion and driven by hobbies, driven by what it is they really want to do. And part of that is they won't know until they experience different things. So I think it's, it's more of a, their life is much more of a journey that has always had some sort of a safety net around it, so therefore they can venture and just take on more risk. That, that's sort of my best sense from both from my family members as well as talking to our core customers. Thank you so much. Another great, great uh, savvy insight into different generations' reaction to the retail experience. Thank you so much, Vijay. We have a lot to hear additionally from you as the show goes on. Appreciate your being here. And now let's go a little bit around the table to our next guest, April Tomlin, who's been on before. She's at SAP Hydra, Hybris. And April has sent us, in addition to her, I, I'm looking at her picture with this really cool hat. I just can't get over the hat because I used to wear a lot of a lot of hats, April, so I identify with that. I'm going to go get one when we're on the break. And April has sent us a quote that is familiarly attributed to Charles Darwin, but in fact, he never, ever said it. And I'm going to read the quote. I think our listeners are very familiar with it. But the quote was said by a business professor at Louisiana, Louisiana State University in 1963, Professor Leon C. Meganson, whose popularity has probably soared since I started mentioning him here on radio seven years ago. And he said this when he was interpreting the central idea outlined in Darwin's On the Origin of Species. So he didn't directly quote, and Darwin actually never said this. But it's still a great quote, April. And here's the quote April has selected from Interpretation of Darwin by Meganson. Quote, It is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent that survives. It is the one that is most adaptable 
to change. April Tomlin, welcome back. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Bonnie? I'm more awesome now than I was a minute ago before you said that. So talk to me about the quote. We're talking retail. We're talking experience as we just did a, a quick deep dive with, with Vijay Talwar a moment ago. So surviving, not surviving, is it that dire in retail? And I think we know the answer, but I want to hear your take. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the reasons why this quote in particular spoke to me is because you know, I believe that it was stated in the 1960s, first and foremost, and, you know, which was an era of, era of, you know, the Vietnam War was going on, the civil rights movement, counterculture, all of those things that were really being driven by, you know, the young generation of that time. And so, you know, clearly it was just a time that was wrought with the, you know, need to change and to adapt to what was going on in, in the culture. And so, um, I think that very much so rings true with uh, what's going on today within, you know, within retail, right? It's, it's essentially evolve or, or cease to exist. And a big piece of that evolution is, is putting the customer um, front and forward and delivering on, on those awesome experiences that will continue to bring them back to your door, um, whether that be, you know, your online door or whether it's your, your physical retail store um, location. So, so that is that. Thank you very much, April. And do you agree with the perspective we just had from Vijay Talwar about the different demographics and that my baby boomer generation was more about survival and less about what's going to make us happy and that the younger generations are more into this it's about me, and I want to enjoy the experience. What's your take? I, I don't know your age range. I'm not even going to ask, but you look to me like you could could be in the millennial range. So from your personal experience, how do you see it? Yeah, I totally agree. So, um, you know, and I know that might be a little bit boring, but the reality is is that, you know, what my most recent role came from an organization that uh, was – was a pure play online retailer. We specifically sold um, goods that folks use to travel, right? Whether that's, you know, a Gen Zer or all the way up to the, you know, retired couple that is, uh, you know, doesn't have any responsibility anymore and, and traveling the world. So I do think that there's a, a piece of evolution to that as well. So some of the boomers now are, are in that same sort of position where they're, you know, they want to spend their money on travel. That's that's how they want to allocate their their additional funds. Um, and I think Gen Zers are the, are the same in, in that regard. It's yeah, it's, it's not about um, having the best things. It's how I feel um, at the end of the day and what I've experienced and what I've learned and how I've grown. And I think that's uh, I think that's expanded beyond Gen Z at this point and, and mm-hmm. up into um, up into the boomers and and so on and so forth. Thank you very much. Good perspective. And now let's move a little bit further around the table to our third guest, Profil Karanth. And Profil at SAP, I'm going to read the quote you sent us. And this is an interesting one. And here's a little bit of a disclaimer to our audience. There's a word here in this quote that we don't normally use on on this radio show. But this quote, and there are about, uh, Profil, I have to tell you, I researched it. One, two, three, four. I have nine variations, and they all have that word in them. Okay. Um, And this is from a popular adage in the British Army. This is called the seven P's. 
the letter P, educators and trainers in military or civilian situations often find it useful to introduce the phrase, the seven Ps. It's humorous, it's a little bit shocking, but it's memorable, and it's used in project planning and sometimes in training for life or death situations. Everybody remember, this comes from the military. I'm going to read one version of it, Prof, and then I'll have you explain how it applies to our topic. So here's the, I gave my disclaimer, seven Ps. Proper planning and preparation prevents piss-poor performance. I'm only going to say it once. Proffel, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me on. Um, <laughs> it is, you know, that, that added, yes, there are different variations. I, obviously, this goes even further back than, than the quote from April, but this is back in World War One, and yes. I most recently even heard um, General Colin Powell kind of not use the word one of the P's in there, but essentially uh-huh. um, talked about the same adage as being critical both in the military, but I find that very critical in today's business as well, and often overlooked. So talk to me about the context of retail, omni-channel, customer-centric, experiential over variety, experience over price. So what do you think, What what is the, the planning? The planning takes awareness first, right? It takes knowledge. It takes an opportunity to say, oh, my, look at what's happening in retail. I'm a retailer. Am I going to survive? Am I adaptable? Have I performed? Have I planned? Do you think these 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 words are, are running through the heads of retailers today who want to survive and be one of the fittest? What's your what's your thought on it particularly, Profil? Yeah, I think I, you know I think the 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 quest to survive is important and top of mind of everyone, especially in in retail. Um, but I think it's it's often something that's overlooked. When I think of this quote. Uh, uh, it, it's important because it talks about how business planning is really critical for ensuring that the retailers deliver on the customer's promise of getting what they want, when, where, and how they want that product. Um, you know, Vijay talked about the experience being important for Gen Zs. Um, I have uh, a son who's on much shorter end of the Gen Z, you know, um, born in 2007, I would add experience, but I would also add they want it now. They don't want to wait. Um, mm-hmm. They want to experience it. It's an instant gratification. And and obviously, happy Halloween to everyone here. Um, Thank you. The listeners. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I, uh, one of the things I will claim that sometimes I do fall apart in terms of planning, and I happen to head out to a store late, about 10 o'clock at night on um uh, Tuesday night when I got back from out of town and had to do an emergency run to um, a retail store to pick out a Halloween costume for my son. Mm-hmm. And as I went to one of the stores, um, and there was a particular one that he wanted, and they did not have it. When I asked, is there a nearby store that has it, they said, you need to call them. Um, mm-hmm. Even when 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 we called them, they weren't able to locate it, even though their inventory showed it was accurate. So, um, so why am I kind of why is this important? Um, kind of view the planning piece, so the whole delivery of the of the consumer experience as an orchestra. It's an orchestra is uh, I love orchestra music, 
Um, it's a large ensemble of players that have to be in sync to deliver a pleasing musical experience. So if you have anybody out of sync, it's going to show up in the, in the ultimate delivery of, of the uh, orchestra's presentation. Um, this is very akin to what I see for that all players, and it's not necessarily the folks in digital uh, or the folks in uh, merchant or a folk in supply chain, it really needs both internal and external partners that have to be, one, very collaborative, Mm-hmm. They have, and two, have mm-hmm. to have complete, accurate, and real-time visibility into yes. inventory and order yes. visibility to deliver that experience for the consumer all the way from start to finish. And, and you've heard, and you will hear from Vijay in April, and their focus is on the start, making sure that we, a retailer, feels the pulse of where and what the consumers want and I and obviously I'm a I'm a boring supply chain person that focuses on <laughs> once they've made that connection, whether it's through knowing them through social media or making that uh, that touch, that that emotional touch, is once they've committed their order to you as a retailer, they have they have essentially handed over their money to you to deliver a product. I focus on really the finish part of their journey. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, for me, it's all about ensuring that the suppliers of the, whatever products you're selling have the right stuff and they're shipping it to, um, to a retailer um, on time. They can sense where the season is going, what the consumers are demanding, because folks like Virginia and April will, will make sure that that is on the front end. That's where they're making the connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will... Uh, it, it's about visibility. It's about knowing that the suppliers are your extended partners. They're not a vendor. We, I typically never use the word vendor. Um, but they know where things are, um, uh, the, your warehouse, your transportation, whether it's doing home delivery for some retail where they want consumers wanted at home, all the way to the consumer that they want to be able to get the FedEx slash Amazon type visibility where they know where their product is and when it's going to be delivered and not providing that nine to five uh, window for somebody to be home. So it's, it's the whole experience that I find all starts back from, uh, from planning. Thank you very much. Very apt. And I have to do a shout out. We have a fan here, Mohammed Amer, who tweets at bizuser, B-I-Z-U-S-E-R. Haven't seen him in a while. And he has a compliment for you, Vijay. He says the perspective from Footlocker's Vijay Talwar is spot on in the way millennials and Gen Z view the world through compelling experiences in retailers need to leverage technology to deliver these across omni-channel. So there you go. You have a new fan. I don't know if you know Mohammed Amer, <laughs> Vijay, but now you do so there you go i just want to relate a a similar thing that similar to what profil was saying uh, just a a quick sidebar personal experience i know everybody has had these but i am a boomer and i i do like a good store experience i tried to buy a major appliance at a major shall we say a do-it-yourself big box store and it's not the one that starts with h it starts with a different letter of the alphabet and I went to one of their local stores. I'm new to the Raleigh Durham area here. I've been here a year, but I don't you don't normally shop for big appliances all the time. Mine refrigerator was leaking. I went out looking for one. I found the one of my dreams in quotes and I tried to buy it. I tried. I tried. The woman at the counter told me the inventory was minus nine. She had no way to find out what was coming. 
She had no way to find out what was coming the next day or the next week. She had no visibility. She couldn't call the manufacturer because it was Sunday night and they were closed. I'm not kidding you. She took my name on a piece of paper, two inches by three inches, my name, and had me write down my phone number. She took down no information. She didn't put me in the system. She didn't make a note that I was ready to purchase a very expensive refrigerator. Nothing. She told me to call because she was going to be off the next two days and I should call and ask for Dwight the next day. She didn't give me a business card. She didn't give me an extension. Nothing. I called and asked for Dwight the next day and found out that there are five of these stores within a 25-mile radius of here and I was calling the wrong store because I called the corporate customer service. They'd never heard of her. They'd never heard of Dwight. So they connected me to one of the other stores who told me that that item was discontinued in that store and I should try a different one. And they gave me, are you, are you all enjoying this conversation, <laughs> this dialogue, monologue? And finally, I found one store that said, oh, it's in stock. We can probably put eyes on one in the back room right now, but we're getting a couple of more on Wednesday. Can you wait? Call me back at 8 tomorrow morning. I'm busy. I'm leaving at 5 o'clock. Goodbye. That's how that one went. I called back the next day, and the person said, remind me who you are and what you want. Can I have the model number again? Are you in the system? Do we have your number? Do we have your address? Did you buy it yet? I'm not kidding. This all happened. Finally, he found one in the back, and he said, okay, let's do it now. I was then able to buy the refrigerator. Vijay. Are you shocked and surprised? I know you're probably disappointed, and if I told you the name of the store, you'd be more shocked. But, Vijay, are you surprised by this? I'm actually not. As you know, I spent a couple of years working at Sears as well before coming to yes. Foot Locker, and uh, this, this, it's, a, it's, it's a little bit of a crazy game in terms of, to, to you know, use Praful's word, you know, kind of getting the orchestra to kind of be in sync. And yeah. it's amazing. Multi-billion dollar companies still struggle with how how to get the inventory to their customer in in the fastest possible manner and you know it's a lot easier when you're a pure play online company and uh, you know I used to work at a company called Blue Nile and what a nice mm-hmm. thing there is you have one storefront and one set of inventory and the first person to come and pay for it and grab it gets it kind of thing when you have a network of 500 stores or 2000 stores or like we do now globally about over 3000 stores at Foot Locker it gets to be a much more complicated experience. And so as much as I'd like to say, um, you know, I'm surprised or I'm disappointed, I, I, you know, even as a consumer, we all have those experiences every day. And I think the, the key there is that to how do you use technology to solve those yes. problems. Right? That's exactly what it comes down to. And a friend of mine who was helping me shop for this went online and had full visibility into the inventory at all five local stores, Vijay. He told yeah. me there were three here, there were two there, there were one there, and said, here's the phone number, call. He did this as a as a, a customer who had nothing to do with the store. He was able to see the image, but the people in the store couldn't. It, the frustration was unbelievable, but I really wanted the refrigerator, and it was $1,000 off on sale, so I got it from Butch. Butch, Butch was the salesman I eventually talked to. You know what? Let's get to know our panelists a little bit better here. I'm going to ask three questions of each of you. We're going to go around the table very briefly. Vijay Talwar, we already know a little bit about you. We know you're at Foot Locker. You mentioned you were at Blue Nile. You mentioned Sears. Let's find out three things. Number one, where in the world are you today? City, country, or state would be fine. Number two, what's your favorite drink that makes you so energetic and calm at the same time? I hear such calm and presence in your voice. What's your favorite drink that puts you in the right frame of mind to do what you do? And number three, what is your current role at Foot Locker? Vijay, go ahead. Yeah, first of all, I am calling in today from Wausau, Wisconsin. Uh, most of you probably don't know where that is. It's in central Wisconsin. We're about 90 minutes north of Madison, Wisconsin. Usually when I tell people I'm working in Wausau, 
they assume I'm in Poland. So, um, but I'm in, actually in the state of Wisconsin. So, very happy to be here. And uh, in terms of what's in my cup today, or what I, you know, like what energizes me, uh, honestly, uh, I've actually kind of switched over recently and found that a heavy meal in the middle of the day just doesn't work well for me. So, I've actually moved on to a protein shake for lunch every day, and it actually seems to. Uh, ah. energize me also it actually takes me very little time to consume so i kind of get like you know some you know those, those 15 or 20 minutes back on my on my calendar and uh, most importantly it then it helps me sort of uh, you know keep my momentum and my energy sort of sustain that throughout the day as well so i really sort of enjoy that part of my change of routine which i only started in the last year or so Nice. Um, then in terms of what i do uh, for a living i work for Foot Locker. i'm the president of digital as you said what mm-hmm. that means for the folks who don't know is uh, who are on the radio, um, I actually have seven different websites that I'm responsible for. So we have Foot Locker, Kids Foot Locker, Lady Foot Locker, uh, Champsports.com, FootAction.com, an online-only site called East Bay, which is actually the reason we are in Wausau, Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. a women's brand called 602, which is the newest uh, uh, addition to our portfolio, if you will, and essentially manage that entire business uh, out of the out of the small central Wisconsin town, and uh, everything from the uh, website, the call center, the product warehouse, all of that that is done from here. And uh, uh, the the biggest focus, obviously, as is the uh, topic of this conversation, is that mm-hmm. we no longer can operate sort of a digital business separate from a retail business. So a lot of my time and energy is actually spent on thinking through omni-channel experiences and how we can provide much better experiences than we've historically provided, and, and more importantly, avoid the situation that you had with your refrigerator. So somebody comes in for a pair of shoes, can we, you know, pretty quickly, I mean, the fast, and to your point, typically the fastest technology is the mm-hmm. consumer-facing technology. So the fastest way yeah. for, a, for a store associate to actually get you the product is actually to go online, find the product, mm-hmm. and then they will ship it directly from whatever store it is to your home. So you can, mm-hmm. you know, pay for it right then and there and get home and get that product in a couple of days. Wouldn't it have been beautiful if she knew what to do? What can I tell you? Nobody's ever heard of her, which is even, I'm thinking maybe she was a pre-Halloween ghost <laughs> with a name tag standing there and had no idea. The, the part that offended me the most, Vijay, or bamboozled me was when she said, write your name and phone number on a piece of paper. And it was a little torn off piece of paper, two by three, and it had nothing else on it. And she put it on with a stack of papers on the desk and said she'd leave it for Dwight the next day. Seriously? In this day and age, that's how you collect customer information. We're talking several thousand dollars worth of purchase here. <laughs> and my name was on a piece of paper. I, I just, that absolutely, I had, no, I had no words at that point. Thank you, Vijay. Pleasure to meet you. April Tomlin, we'd love to catch up with you. Three things, where are you today? Number two, what's your favorite drink? And number three, what you been up to? Sure. So I am uh, right now in lovely Denver, Colorado. So woke up to some snow. Now oh. the sun is shining bright. So um, yeah, lovely to be in Denver. And what do you love to um, drink? As far yeah, as far as drink goes, I can't say this is my favorite drink, but I will say I am prepping right now to have some company over the weekend, and so I'm, I'm throwing kind of a festive holiday party, a fall mm. holiday party. And so right now, uh, I am actually tasting a spiked pumpkin latte, uh, just kind of as a taste tester to figure out what I'm going to serve to my guests this weekend. It's uh, it's pretty festive, rum chata, pumpkin pie vodka, pretty awesome. 
Uh, hopefully my boss isn't listening and knowing that I'm drinking this right now, but it's lovely. <laughs> that sounds and, delicious. And catch us up to what you're doing these days. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a relatively new to SAP. Um, prior to being at SAP, I uh, you know ran digital teams both uh, in uh, at ebags.com and um, I was involved at at Sports Authority as well. So Omnichannel and Pure Play. Uh, commerce both. And um, I'm now at SAP and really helping our customers deliver on their KPIs. So um, I provide strategic strategic business support all the way down to tactical business support to really help drive our customers' business forward and and ensuring that that we are delivering the best experience as um, an organization that we can to our customers. Thank you very much. And I think I found the drink. It's rum chata, R-U-M-C-H-A-T-A. Is that the one? Oh, rum yeah. chata pumpkin one. pie martini. Is that the right one? Um, well, uh, it's actually a spiked pumpkin latte, but I'm sure the martini oh. is great too. Okay. All right. Fine. Because <laughs> there's a lot of liqueur in this one. It's rum chata cream liqueur, vanilla vodka, and pumpkin liqueur. That oh, would yeah. set you up for yeah. a while. Okay. That would definitely, your yep. boss is not listening to that one. Thank you very much, April. And Profil <laughs> Karan, this are another newcomer. Profil, same three questions. Where are you in the world today? What do you love to drink? And what is your role at SAP? You told us a little bit about supply chain, but just give us a little more. Yeah, Bonnie. So I'm currently um, uh, at one of uh, the western suburbs of Chicago. Um, it's a town called Naperville. I'm physically in a, trying to locate myself in a library where I don't get you know, distracted or, or noise. Um, as far as favorite drink, I kind of break it out into before sundown and after sundown. I do have some favorites. So I typically like uh, a glass of uh, a latte or a green tea in, in, the, in the morning. And then uh, I love my uh, single malts um, with uh, with a splash of, uh, well, it's not a splash, but a cube of ice uh, after sundown. And uh, in my role, actually, at SAP, as, I, as you mentioned, it is a long role. It is a lengthy title. But really what I'm doing is leveraging my experience before SAP, uh, like April. I've been at SAP since uh, December of 2016. But I've spent about half my time working at a retailer and an automotive company, um, Office Max and, and Navistar, and then also ran some supply chain. I was on the leadership teams for several management consulting firms. Um, and especially having gotten into consulting and now in my current role, I'm always learning. Um, you know, the stories that I try to relate, the practices that I see is all from working with different retailers. Um, you know, I, I work in retail hardlines, and, and as you know, hardlines in retail can touch anywhere from consumer electronics to furniture to jewelry to bookstores, music stores, home improvement, and sometimes even working with other industries not in retail but are starting to act and want to act like retailers, especially in consumer products or the telco industry. And so... I'm always learning and trying to bring what's what's happening in in the trends and and what priorities and um, and really understanding what their the biggest priorities are. So it's always I never walk in with a prescribed solution or, not, or insight. It's the best thing you know is the folks that really know it the best. 
Thank you very much. Pleasure to get to know all of you. And Vijay, we're going to skip the break because the clock is moving and I want to make sure we get some really good conversational topics in here from the notes you and the other panelists prepared for me in advance. So Vijay, with your permission, I'd love to talk about your number three topic. Let me just read a little bit and you tell me if this is good for you. You say retailers have relied too long on big big brand presence and mass media to provide products and traffic, but being nimble Agile, global, and online can be key advantages that trumping brands and mass media. Can we talk about that, Vijay? Are you okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to talk about it. Thank you. you. Go ahead. Yeah, just get right into it. Okay, yeah. I mean, a lot of what I was talking about is, again, you know, when you think about the consumers and how they're evolving and how they're changing, you know, as Foot Locker, we're very, very focused on millennial and Gen Z customers. They're the folks, uh, there's a term in our industry called sneakerhead and these are folks who don't just buy one or two pairs of sneakers a year they tend to buy you know two to five pairs a month if you will and uh, part of what they do is they 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 trade up they resell shoes they wear their shoes they show off their shoes but they sort of they, mm-hmm. they live and breathe the sneaker culture if you will which is it's in its by itself relates very closely and overlaps with things like music and other experiences and so what, what I'm really talking about there is that, you know, historically, if you had a good brand, if you had a good story as a retailer or as, as a consumer products company, you'd advertise in mass media. So that's TV, radio, a lot of other sort of uh, uh, methods. Today, it's much more important to have a strong following on social media, for example. It's about storytelling, and it's part of that storytelling is to make it interactive. So just as an example, uh, just a week ago or so, uh, before the first uh, Lakers game with LeBron playing for the Lakers, we actually had an augmented reality experience where you could actually go to Venice Beach and, uh, you know, with your app or your Foot Locker app, go to different locations and finally end up in a Foot Locker store. And if you went through the different points, you would unlock the opportunity to to, uh, to get a pair of sneakers. So, uh, And it was a very rare and hard-to-get pair of sneakers. So people, uh, you know, showed up... Uh, uh, you know, uh, lots of them showed up on the beach, and many of them actually continued through. And the first, uh, you know, few hundred or so of them got the got the access to the sneakers. So for them, it's mm. a lot of it is about the that whole journey and that whole sort of get you know earning their they're willing to participate and earn their right to buy something that's differentiated. But they you know uh, the other example I tend to use in the same uh, write up is the company Casper that sells you know mattresses online. They've started mm-hmm. sort of nap pods where you can go in and take a 20-minute nap in different cities uh, in the U.S., right? You think about the Apple store and how they sort of just open up the store, and it feels more like a, a, a town square in the old days where everybody's gathering around the technology, playing with different things. And, and if you need help or if you want to buy something, you can do it very quickly, and you can get checked out right stand, standing in the same place. You don't have to go to, uh, to the register. Things like that that just sort of slowly but surely are improving the experience. So for me, it really is, you know, when you think about the, especially the younger uh, buyers, they, they more than convenience, they, they want to have that sort of, that feeling of community, that sort of the sense of sort of, this is an authentic experience that I'm having, and I can remember that experience, and this is something that, you know, I, I really want this product, partly because the product is great and it's a high quality and it's a great price, but partly because I'm enjoying this experience and I would definitely do this again. Vijay, it sounds to me like these are these, quote, I'm just going to use the term pop-up experiences because they're not 
they're not permanent. They're something that, that are yeah. event-related. It sounds like a party. It sounds like our brand is going to host a party, and you're invited, and you can become the retail customer while you're there. But we're going to give you a memorable experience, and you'll say, wow, you'll never guess where I was today. Is that, that the mentality of why they do this? Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and we actually do. It, it goes even one step further. So just uh, you know, recently, I, I was in the Middle East and in one of our stores in Dubai, and there was a very well-known New York DJ playing at the Foot Locker store. Right, and so there were actually, you know, uh, hundreds of people inside the store. Some of them were browsing, some of them were looking, at, but many of them were just listening to the music, right? So it's, it is about creating those sort of interactive and uh, sort of those experiences where people are come just to experience it, and then as a result of that, have an affinity to the brand, so that when they do want a product, they're more likely to buy from that brand. Very interesting. Top of Mind has certainly taken a twist and turn. It used to be how many times did you see a, a company's ad in a magazine, Vijay, right? How many? How yep. frequently did you put an ad in a magazine? Oh, we saw this company in there 10 times, and now I need a new stove. I'll go with such and such because I saw their ad. They must be good. We're way past that. April Tomlin, love to get your thoughts on the experience we just had talking about retail experiences with Vijay. Talk to me, April. Absolutely. So um, it's interesting that Vijay brought up uh, Casper Dreamery because I actually visited there the last time I was in New York City. So they have a location that is um, it's really interesting. So, And I actually wasn't going to take a nap. Um, <laughs> I literally walked in because I wanted to see what they were doing. I've heard so much about it. And I've actually, um, they do some really interesting um, digital marketing things around their pillows. And so I was like, I have to go see what all of this is about. So I walked into the store and it's essentially painted all blue and it's got, you know, kind of white shooting stars everywhere. Very quiet, right? And you walk into the counter, they have, you have to make an appointment in advance because it's so popular. It's right across from a, uh, a university, right? So prime target for, for customers that are interested or for folks that are, in, are interested in literally taking a quick nap in between, you know, finals or whatever that looks like. So they, you walk in and you're offered pajamas, uh, you know, all of these different things. You go back to your, to your pod, you take a nap, you come out and they have coffee brewing for you right, to wake oh, you up. So how amazing is this experience? Um, it was awesome because they also, you know, were like, oh, you're so interested. Here, here's a card for a free nap the next time you come back. So I'm really excited oh. to, to put on the PJs and, and do all of the things. But uh, it's, a really, it's a really cool concept. And these are the types of things that you, you um, will continue to see as retail evolves beyond uh, what it's always been in the past and really relying on those big names and, you know, advertisements on radio and some of those older school things, it's really going to develop into, oh, hey, I just took a 20-minute nap between my finals, and um, I'm telling all of my friends, and I'm posting about it on social media, and I'm taking photos while I'm actually in the dreamer and in the pod and all of those things. So, um, yeah, totally agree. Really cool example. Thank you. Your example was cool, too. I feel like I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to go to a place and find that <laughs> after the show yeah, is totally. over. I promise I won't fall asleep yet. The three of you are keeping me awake. Profil, love to hear your thoughts on this experience. Experience. What do you think? Yeah, you know, uh, I think, you know, it's interesting. Casper is, uh, is, is uh, it's all part of, there's a, there's a trend that I see called clicks to bricks. And, 
what's really driving some of these, well, again, I'm not pointing these phrases, these are industry phrases on digital natives. This is like Warby Parker or Bonobos that are, and as Vijay mentioned about Blue Nile, traditional pure play retailers that had one warehouse, one entry point, and it was a little simpler. And even there is a lot of analysts that are watching what what uh, Wayfair is, is going to do is they open their first store uh, and slowly the omni-channel, um, not the experience, but the execution of that omni-channel promise to the customers. Um, because there is a, a stat, that interesting stat that, that I read recently that said uh, 90 cents of every retail dollar in the U.S. will still be spent at a physical location. And and that is not expected to fall below 75 cents until really the middle of the next decade, which tells me, which may be one of the driving forces behind um, companies that are becoming uh, more traditional retailers opening up physical stores. But as far as Casper, the other trend that, and it's more recent, it's some things that I've read where if they're not opening stores, they're also working with some traditional retailers that are trying to move from the boring to the remarkable. And a mm-hmm. great example is uh, Nordstrom's going in relation with Allbirds. In fact, Target has gone in with Casper. Um, and some of this may just be to bring the consumers in based on their assortment of products that they're trying to expand, make it cool, um, you know, uh, appease uh, to, the, to, the, to the millennials and the Gen Zs. But it's also solving or trying to solve for another issue in terms of can I get it to within two hours to you versus if I'm a pure play and I'm limited by UPS or FedEx or, or based on transit, based on physical location, how can I leverage um, the footprint off a target where they're going into this relation? So, you know, it's, it's one way of interview broadening your assortment retailers are doing a lot of strategic partnerships with uh, digital natives as well as you know i know in the illinois area they had a text market around uh cole's department store doing this with amazon on on pickup and returns of uh of their uh, alexa so uh they're retailers are trying different things to draw traffic in um but again at the end of the day if if they're able to draw the traffic in, but they're not able to deliver on a product that availability, uh, either while they're there or mm-hmm. what they saw and they ordered, I think the experience falls flat or the promise falls flat. And that has a more negating effect. Uh, but this is a great example with Casper and Allbirds and Quip and others. Thank you. And I think we had somebody from Allbirds on one of our radio shows about uh, three, four weeks ago. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, very interesting. I'm going to move on to something here. We are almost out of time. I know we're going to do our predictions starting at about two minutes. But April, there's something here in your notes I, I feel strongly needs to be said on the air. You say the customer just doesn't care how hard it is. The reality is that consumers are growing up, as we mentioned, in the age of Amazon, the everything store. You can find what you need in two minutes and get it delivered to your door in two days. The customer doesn't stop to think about shopping anywhere. Just don't give them a reason to go somewhere else. April, just give us a quick overview of the customer doesn't care. We have to deal with it, of course, sometimes when it doesn't go well. But when it's a smoothly running machine, when it's well-oiled, you don't have to make an excuse. 
What are, what are our options today, April? The customer just doesn't care how hard it is. Talk to me for just a minute, please. Sure, yeah. So, you know, a lot of it goes back to some of the things that we've already talked about today, right? Delivering differentiation in a market where where customers are, are you know, they expect to get something at their door in, in two days. So you have to give them a reason to, to, um, to shop with you. And that, that sometimes is, you know, differentiated product selection. Sometimes that's um, differentiated customer experience. Uh, for example, um, I yeah, part of part of what I do is is measure you know what I call the digital maturity of of different organizations out there. So I so I'm, I deliver um, say hey this is how you how you, how your customer experience stacks up against your biggest competitors. So through an evaluation process, I actually had an awesome ex- customer experience online live chat specifically, and I was just going through a benchmarking exercise and, and doing an analysis. I ended up because the customer agent was an expert in the area that I was um, that I was looking to to learn more about. I ended up spending eighty dollars on makeup that I don't even wear, which <laughs> has turned into four hundred dollars worth of skincare that I love. Right, so I am now a customer of this brand because they delivered such an awesome customer experience to me online. And that's obviously, you know, that translates to the store as well. And that's a, a, a huge reason why people still shop in stores because, you know, it's that personal touch. And that in and of itself um, can, can change the game for folks out there. And so ensuring that you're delivering on that experience and giving them something special that they can't get at Amazon is, is the best option that you have. Thank you very much. And that leads us directly into our predictions. So Vijay Talwar at Foot Locker, I can give you 60 seconds. That's about all we have left for each of you. Tell me what you see coming, I like to say, up the pike or down the road or uh, down the street, up the block. In the next, let's say, Vijay, we're almost at the at the precipice between 2018, 2019. Between now and 2025, what will change dramatically in the retail space in the term in terms of this extreme makeover for customers sent? Omnichannel. Vijay, go ahead. My, my first prediction, Bonnie, is that I'm not going to meet your 60 second deadline. My second prediction. <laughs> I love <laughs> but, it. <laughs> uh, my, uh, but more importantly, my 2025 prediction is there are going to be players like Amazon who are going to win in what I call is the need based retail. So you think about the Targets, the Walmarts, the Amazons, the Home Depots of the world. They, they, for them, the game is all about flawless execution, it's about convenience, it's about price. And they're going to continue to do that. My real prediction, which that should not be a surprise to anyone, that mm-hmm. they're gaining share and gaining momentum. This, the real surprise, I think, in, when you think uh, fast forward, uh, you know, five to ten years, I think that there's going to be a, a pretty big parallel economy. And what do I mean by that? I believe that there's going to be products that are being sold that are very scarce. So you can, you know, we used to hear about this with the Birkin bag or, you know, with Sun Now for us and some of the mm-hmm. sneakers that we do. But there's a brand called Supreme that started out in New York and is doing amazing collaborations with all of the big brands, but they've done a collaboration with Louis Vuitton, for example. And what happens with these products is because they make so little of them, they actually sell for double and triple the price in the resale market. And so my real prediction actually mm. is that because the kids are so into it and they're so into the chase of getting these care products, that ultimately there will be a, a, a parallel economy that's driven by design, that's driven by collaborations, that's driven by influencers, but most of all driven by the sort of high quality, very hard to get hold of, sort of scarcity driven kind of model. 
And as a result of that, the resale market for some of these products, especially in the soft goods, when I say soft goods, I mean things like, you know, uh, apparel and accessories and footwear and purses and handbags and things like that, I believe the resale market will actually be larger than the original sale market. So there's, there's a sort of the secondary market, if you will, will become bigger than the primary market in many of these smaller, smaller categories. Thank you, Vijay, and I'll recommend a quick book. April, get ready, 30 seconds, and then Prafal. I read I interviewed the author of a book called Bringing Home the Birkin several years ago, who was scouring the world for private customers looking for Birkins and having the salespeople go in the back room and bring out merchandise that was maybe a year old, no longer in the front of the store, and he was reselling it, and he had a huge business. He was based in Barcelona. Fascinating book, Bringing Home the Birkin. Vijay, thank you. April, 30 seconds prediction. Make it good. Go. Sure. So uh, I believe that by 2020, there are going to be a few organizations out there that are that are able to put together the two the two big needs kind of that Vijay is, that Vijay has outlined. So putting together that want based um, that want based retail along with the convenience factor that Amazon is able to deliver, and you know they may not be able to do it in the same uh, in the same type of scope that Amazon will, but I do believe that there are going to be some players out there that. Um, begin to emerge, not compete at the same level as Amazon, but be able to do it in a space um, that 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 will be able to begin winning over some some of those customers. Thank you, April. Profil, I have one sentence left for you. The last sentence is yours before I close. Go ahead, fast, predict. Yeah, um, when I look Profil. at predictions and I look at, you know, one is they've got to, retailers have to find that unique consumer experience that, that emotional connection. I was working with a with a leading car rental company that does not think like retail and saying things like, hey, if I walk into a car and you have a cup of latte waiting for me, it's a morning rental, you've made my connection. So that is on the consumer experience of touching the connection. On the on on the supply chain side, I think when you talk about those need based retailers, where I see retailers box retailers or traditional brick-and-mortar retailers have an advantage that they absolutely have to um, leverage uh, their stores. It stores is not a full, is not a store showroom anymore. It's a fulfillment center. And well, the Amazon will get to the two-day, and now they've gotten to one day. They've gotten same day on some SKUs. Retailers have the unique opportunity to have, in the case of Foot Locker, 3,000 distribution points that why couldn't, with the enablement of technology, if I want something in the time it's going to take me to drive there, mm-hmm. and using robotics, using drones, and all these kind of technologies, why can't I get the order that I want that is in your store? Exactly. In the next 15 to Thank you. Profil, we got to go. We're out of time. Thank you so much. Stephen Sparrow put together a great topic. Aaron at World Talk Radio. Here's my closing call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Vijay Talwar at Foot Locker, just like April Tomlin and Profil Karanth at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. 
We wish you a positively game-changing week.